Hello, hello. Welcome back to PS We Have No Plan. I'm Peyton Smith calling in from LA. And I'm Emily McManus calling in from Nashville. And here we are. It's another beautiful Thursday when this is released. And we're just happy to be here, right? How are you? Oh, today? yes. I'm good. It's a little bit cloudy and overcast and like in LA today, which is a bummer because it's been so sunny and bright and beautiful the last few days. Um, yeah. I don't know about you. Well, but I was just going to was... ask you. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I just love your, your sweater. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're going to love it even more. Look at the back. It has, it has a yin yang. <gasps> Stop right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Isn't it cute? What's it's the my... brand? Um, I don't I think it's like. Luke's aunt gave it to me for Christmas a few years ago. I don't know. It's a random brand. I, I think it. she thrifted it. That's She's okay. very into thrifting and like repurposing old stuff. It's so cool. I love it. I absolutely love it. Sorry, oh not to deviate. No, I mean, I was talking about the weather. Who cares? I was just, it's just when it's cloudy out, I feel a little bit more moody and I'm just over the clouds and I'm ready for the sun, which I know we've talked about is such a strange switch up for each other because we both are such moody girls, but I need the sun. You need the sun. And I think I actually talked about this in my last blog post. We're so, we love the moody coziness and like just fog and a little bit of rain. But then once that first day of sunshine hits in the spring, you don't realize how much you do miss that and you do need it. Yeah. Right. And how much it really like changes everything for you. I know. I know. How are you doing though? I heard you had a bit of a busy day downloading things. (laughs) Well, I left and I just decided I was at the office and it said, it'll take two hours to upload from this hard drive to Dropbox said, fuck that. So I stopped it and I brought it home and let's see here. I mean, we still got a long ways to go. Looks Files like we have take forever. Yeah, 63 items left in this first one. And then the next one's going to be 670 items. So that's great. Oh, my God. Well, you guys, I hope you're hooked on this podcast talking about the weather and downloading files. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cutting edge, really. It's all the stuff that you're afraid to talk about, everybody. Exactly. We're not holding back. Oh my God. But for real, we're talking about a lot of fun stuff today. We have, we're, we're starting this new thing, by the way, for our future podcast to split it up into sort of light, fun, fluff, pop culture stuff, and then some deep talks. And we're going to do pop culture roundup. And then we're going to get into how we got into art, I think, and like the history of art for our ourselves. Right. Yeah. And how it's just been a common thread throughout our lives. And I think it's kept us stable and focused, even when we might not have felt like it. And it was the one thing that was always there. I know. Amazing. So I can't wait to get into it. So I don't know if you have any like Bravo celebrity gossip that you can bring to the table or Royals gossip. Always, 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 always. What are the okay. updates? So the tea that dropped today is don't be tardy for the party. Kim Zolciak and her husband, Croy Bierman have filed for divorce. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Came out of left field. Truly, truly did. Now, did it though, because they've had so many legal woos and woes and financial. Their house went into foreclosure. They owe a million dollars to the IRS. You know, they're just one of those housewives or she's one of those housewives that was like, she wanted damage. So she was bye, 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 bye when she didn't have the money. So it catches up to you. It catches up to you. Right. So. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Or is she one of your favorites? What show is she on? No, no, not at all. Um, yep, she's Atlanta. 
I mean, she was, she was great TV at times because Mm -hmm. she was just a train wreck. I mean, you name it, but she owned like, you know, it was, it was who she was. Like she sold it for sure. But no, I mean, I like Atlanta, but it's definitely not my favorite right now. I'm back into New Jersey. Okay. Great. I think the next episode tree gets married for all of you. Non Bravo followers. Tree is Teresa Judice. Um, and she's getting married again. There's so much drama between her and her brother and sister-in-law. It's crazy. Um, Vanderpump Rules, once again, still following that whole saga. It's starting to leak out in the episodes that you're like, how did people not catch on that Raquel and Tom Sandoval were having a thing? But it is playing out and it is excruciating to watch. But it's also, I can't get enough. Oh my God, so fun. I it's love- incredible. And then I guess the last thing up for the Bravo roundup is Carl and Lindsay got engaged on Summer House, but they didn't tell Danielle. And there is a lot of trouble in that friendship. Mm, oh my God. Lots of trouble. Yeah. Drama. So, I mean, Bravo, this is like Bravo's best year in a really long time. <laughs> I love that. You know what? I love when TV and movies have their moment. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I love movies and TV, but I love when there's like fun drama on the reality shows <sighs> yes. and there's fun big blockbuster movies coming out, but you know, everyone, I want to give the update, the go writer's strike. So there's a Hollywood writer's strike, which hasn't happened since 2007. And we have to go show our support for writers of movies and TV shows because they deserve to be paid what they are worth. And they're striking right now against studios because they're not being paid with the streaming services and with AI looming and, you know, Ugh. chat G- GPT or whatever. It's just yep. stressing them out and they're on strike. And so if you want to continue to see good TV and good movies, you know, show support somehow. <laughs> show support. Are there like petitions we can sign? Yeah, maybe. I should look I it up. I should ask. Yeah. Because I think that's. That's what it's, it's all about. They're the creators. The yes. same thing happens in music. Songwriters are the first to get fucked. I was going to say this. I think the same thing happened when Spotify and yep. all these streaming services happened for music, right? The yep. I, th- I feel like this whole strike happened in that area where people are like, make sure we're paid appropriately just because they're streaming now. Oh, oh. I mean, a song, and I, I could get this math co- completely wrong, so nobody come at me on this. But, I mean, you could have a song that has been streamed – 500,000 times mm-hmm. by an artist. But if you're the writer, maybe you'll get $200. That's wild. Maybe. It's wild, Peyton. It is. It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. There Even, has to be some balancing here of people oh, giving back to the people who started the whole, like created whatever yes. you're, yeah, the art. Yes. And even back in the day, I mean, albums were selling so much back then, so it it still worked. But even then, when one album was sold, the writer got one cent. Wow. And it's just, it doesn't, it's, it's fucked up, right? Yeah, that's really fucked. And I guess what's interesting is, is why it's been, at least for movies and TV shows, that wasn't the case. So they, at one point, were compensated fairly. And they were making oh. a lot of residuals on TV shows. So like something like Friends, you know, person got so much money because they were able to get residuals from it showing mm-hmm. on multiple different channels. And so now it's like with streaming, people can just access it for free. So how do you get paid for a writer? And it it went from like $90,000 a year for a certain show to like 90 cents. Oh. Like it's a significant drop where, where writers are now... Like can't even afford a living. It's crazy. So no, that's a life ruiner. 
Yeah. It's a life ruiner. So that's why they're on strike. And with that, um, there are some really good movies that I saw that are coming out this year that will keep us all excited, but also hopefully remind us of how special movies and TV shows are and how everyone, a part of them needs to be paid appropriately. Um, Little Mermaid comes out. I don't know if you saw that. So great at the end of this month. I can't wait. I think it'll be really good. I do too. And I don't, I don't like going to the movie theater. I really don't. It's not my thing, but I want to go for this. Yeah. I love, I love when you find a good movie and it's worth it to go to a theater. Obviously I love going to movies, but yes, yes. The other one, it's not a streaming thing for me. I've just never enjoyed going to the movies. Right. Right. Um, but I think that one in theaters will be special. And then I don't know if you saw this. I got to send you the trailer. Christopher Nolan, who's one of my favorite directors is, um, releasing Oppenheimer, which is the new movie with an amazing <gasps> cast. Oh my God. It has like Killian Murphy, Robert. Is that how you say it? Killian? Cillian? Killian Murphy? I think Killian. And Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, oh Rami Malik, D- Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, like star studded cast. And it's looks so good. And a Christopher Nolan movie, for those who don't know, and I'm, I don't even know if you're a big fan of Christopher Did Nolan. Did he do Batman? He did, yeah, he did The Dark Knight. Okay, okay, okay. Dark Knight, Interstellar, Inception, Dunkirk with Harry Styles. Oh, my God. He just did – he picks the most incredible stories and is like, let's bring this to life. But he doesn't do a ton of movies, but he'll pick, like, the big ones and be like, that's what I want to direct. So this is going to be incredible. I love it when they have stacked casts. I know. And that reminds me, other stacked cast is Dune 2. Did you ever see Dune 1? No. It's okay. It might not be your thing because it's fantasy, but it was an incredible cinematic experience for anyone who wants to go watch like a beautiful moment. Same with The Revenant, if you ever saw that with Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) No. You're like, no. That was the movie he won an Oscar for. That was his first Oscar ever. Good job. Good Good job, Leo. But it's just one of those where it's less about the storyline and more just it's just like the beautiful cinematography for me that really stands out so dune is that and dune 2 has an incredible cast it has austin butler florence Pugh, timothy chalamet zendaya christopher walken yeah i love christopher walken yeah i mean this is an incredible cast you might have to go see this movie i I mean i might have to watch that for sure that sounds incredible i know it's so good so i'll send you both those trailers because they gave me chills this morning when i watched them and then the last exciting movie that's coming out that i cannot wait for is hunger games oh i know so hunger games is coming back out and it's i think this is the word for it a prequel it comes before the series that the the hunger Games series and it's with president snow who is the main villain in the hunger Games series it's when he's young and he won the Hunger Games, and it's about <gasps> him and how he became evil. Whoa! I was one. So when you said that, I was wondering how that was going to work out because I yeah. feel like I read that Jennifer Lawrence is no longer w- like wanting to be involved in that character. No, no. I think Katniss, she is, she's done with that whole whole life. But so this is going to be before, and it'll give a little bit more detail. And also an incredible cast for this. So I'm pretty sure Hunter Schaefer, who's in Hung- who's in um, Euphoria, which I know you don't watch, but I love no, But I'm sure Euphoria. if I saw his face, I would recognize it. She, her woman. Oh, well, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you, you would. You would recognize her. She's very iconic looking. She's, um, 
anyway, she plays Tigris, I think is the character who's just like a fun, fun character. So very exciting roundup for movies. Very exciting roundup. Very so excited to share. I feel like we should share all the trailers then on our stories. I feel like that would be good. Mm -hmm. Good idea. We'll link it out, everybody. That would be perfect. Um, I actually had a pretty exciting weekend. Oh my God, please share. I, out of nowhere, unexpectedly, 45 minutes until takeoff, got a free Taylor Swift ticket. What? Yes, I did. How? I mean, in a roundabout way, Jeff, one of Jeff's friends got better tickets and she asked him if if I would want it. I said, yes. I threw off my pajamas, <laughs> put on my raincoat and I Ubered down there like as fast as I could. And like, she met me up front, gave me the ticket. And like, literally as soon as we got to our seats, she started and it was, oh I mean, my God. How was it? It was, it was spectacular spectacular i mean i have never seen i was just telling my dad this i think i've been to concerts before where i've had like more of a emotional spiritual connection where mm-hmm, i'm just like mm-hmm. oh my gosh but i have never ever been to a concert that looked like this i mean the production the every, every little detail was unbelievable wow Un- yeah i mean it, i feel so lucky that i was able to go but it was like it was so inspiring and it filled up my kind of like creative hope tank mm-hmm. just seeing everything that she's created and she she came to nashville first she made it in nashville and she came here for three nights she sold it out seventy thousand people each night holy shit yes last yesterday we had crazy storms like really really bad storms she's supposed to start at eight everybody kind of just took cover in the arena and at 10 o'clock she said i'm going on she played till like two in the morning for everybody wow i I know and it's not just singing like she's dancing she's moving around like it is a tough i'm sure that's a tough rigorous schedule for three nights in a row almost four hours her her voice sounded great every single time it was just it was really inspiring and it was exactly like how you and i talk about you know, if you have a dream, mm-hmm. you got to work really hard. You get up early, you go to bed late, you work mm-hmm. your ass off and you repeat it the next day. She's incredible. She I feel really like is. she is like truly someone that whether or not you're a Swifty, like if you're a big fan or not, just appreciate her iconness. Like the yes. fact that she started with teardrops on my guitar, like this really innocent, what, what was she like? 16, 17 yeah, years old. Yeah now is like this mega star like probably one of the most famous pop stars countries like ever i mean she's so how that that trajectory is unbelievable unbelievable you're so right and i mean i was trying to think are there any other artists out there right now that can sell out stadiums three nights in a row Seventy thousand people. i i mean i don't know if there are i don't maybe beyonce i i really don't know maybe maybe who else like, I think I back know. in the day, like there were some spots where One Direction could do that, but not in every town. You know what I mean? No, and no, no, no. It's not. I, I, you know, I'm a One Direction lover. I mean, so. I am too, but I feel like that's just like no. It's 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 not. It's not. It's not the same level. And it was. It's funny because so many of the things from that concert and the things that she said really resonate with what you and I talk about. She was saying when she was 22, she wrote a song because she had a fear of aging. She was afraid that she would age out. Nobody Mm -hmm. would care about her anymore. 
and she was old news. They would go on to the next. Um, so she, she wrote this song about it. And then now she's 33 and she was just so thankful and appreciative that everybody continued the ride with her. And it's, I thought that that was just super cool. Yes. And it, that's amazing. And it shows somebody at her level has the exact same, you know, thoughts going around in their their brain. Mm-hmm. She's always been such a great lyricist and telling stories that actually resonate through her songs. And that's why I feel like I've always loved her. I also, have you seen that Maddie Healy and her are apparently dating the lead singer of 1975? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. Me neither. They dated back in the day, I think. Really? I think so. I think they dated a really long time ago. Like in like, yeah, long time ago. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. It's giving like the Harry Styles era when Harry Styles and her dated and it was like the bad boy and the good girl. And like, yes. I just like, girl, you're past this. I it's don't know. Better than this. No, I love I loved Maddie her Healy. With... I just don't like them. No. I don't know. I don't see it. But... We need to find their signs and maybe you could see <laughs> if they're compatible or not. Yeah. We need to do our signs first. Yeah, I, we do. <laughs> I want to do your birth chart reading at some point. We need to share this, but. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel like that's, that's a good segue into what we're. I agree. Our, I agree. Our, both of us just sort of shared our relevant pop culture th- moments that we're both excited about. And I wonder where that stems from. I think it both stems from the art that we care to yeah. cultivate in ourselves. So for you, where did this, what does art mean to you? And like, where did that start? It means everything. It's so funny. Like art to me means everything. I've always shied away from claiming to be an artist or a creator because I didn't feel like I was good enough. So all of my jobs were supporting creatives. And I'm finally getting to a space where I feel confident to say, no, I, I'm a creator too. I'm an artist because that's how, that's how I think. That's how I, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what fuels me day to day. And that started as a really, really little girl from watching Grease and Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella and the music that my parents played. And I just immediately, immediately loved to sing. And it was just ever since then, I never went back. It was, I was just hooked on every single thing about it. And, and since then, like, I mean, I've tried everything you can think of from creative baking to knitting, to drawing, painting, decorate. I mean, you name it. And I, I love trying all those things. And I feel like Mm -hmm. you're the same. Like, Mm -hmm. and we both love to write, but you're just so like, you have such a gift for it. I mean, that's very kind. But yeah, I think my art stems from writing and every every storytelling and like any aspect. So I loved music and songs, but I loved the story behind it. And I liked acting and direction and musicals, but I like the story behind it and like writing obviously. And then like all these different things that had, storytelling at its core and same with you where I was like nervous to ever claim ownership over that title like I'm a writer I'm a storyteller I seek stories in this world but now I feel that's I'm more confident in speaking that and saying that and more confident my writing kind of abilities and whatnot and I think it's so wonderful to see my love of visual storytelling with writing and yeah. combining it and making it like, oh, visual storytelling is definitely where I want to set up shop. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I think it's the best, coolest thing, whether it's movies or little videos. I I love it. 
Well, I think you have such a natural knack for it. And I don't mean that in a, a downplay of all your hard work. Like I know that you've busted your ass to do that. Like before this, even these things came up as opportunities in the writing world, you've been writing music, you write stories, you write your own screenplays. Like you've been doing it. You had PSM blogging, all of the above. Like, and I think that that, I think that's the key almost. Mm -hmm. Like you do it first because mm -hmm. you can't not do it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I do think it's like, like you said, own your superpower, know yeah. what it is. Like I was always told you're a great writer. Writing's your need, right? Writing's your thing. And I could never kind of claim it. And I was always so nervous. And Luke said this to me the other day. He's like, oh, uh, sure. It's not like you're writing, you know, the next greatest thing at this present moment, but it comes so natural to you. Like when you think something you, you write it and it sounds yeah. eloquent and like, that's a skill. So I think it's also owning your superpower, which can be really, really hard. I don't know if you've experienced that. Oh, I mean, I feel like it's an overused phrase now, but major imposter syndrome mm -hmm. for forever endeavor. And so, so much so that it keep, it kept me from, you know, moving in action to any of those, um, desires I had internally to like be a creator or show that I'm a creator to the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard. And I think that this has really helped me come into my own of just owning it of mm -hmm. and saying like, that is what I want. That's who I am. And I had, I had a really cool meeting the other day in my office. We were meeting for a, a plan to roll out one of our, um, our artists, new albums and our kind of director of project was saying, you can think you're the best in the world. That's okay. Put it out there. If somebody wants to tell you that you're not, they can't take your thoughts away from you. They can say that all they want, mm. but that doesn't mean that you have to believe them. And I and I loved that so much because too often I, and I'm sure a lot of people do, I take what others say or what I think they're thinking and I use that as the truth against myself. You know what's so interesting is I was just going to ask you about this, of this this need for understanding, because I think that's where I come from and the roadblocks that I constantly hit with my quote unquote art that I try to put out is like, what if they don't understand it? What if they don't get it? What if people say it's bad or good, like have an opinion on it because yeah. they don't get it? They don't understand why this stuff means so much to me or, you know, and I think that's a very... Uh, it, it, it's something that comes up for everyone. I think who puts oh, out yeah. any form of art is, will I be understood and getting that sort of confidence or that fearlessness to be like, fuck anyone who doesn't get it or not even fuck them, but like, who cares what they say? Not even, they don't even get a fuck. They get yeah, yeah. to the hand. Right. Yes. That's that type of fearlessness. I'd love to embody one day. Say, I know we can, I know we can. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's just, it takes time and practice because art is the most personal thing. So you're creating something from your own thoughts and your feelings, which are obviously going to be different from everybody's. And then right. you choose to share it with the world. So obviously right. people are going to hate it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? but you can't help but fester that. Yeah. And that's, that was my new blog post that I posted last yeah. night, um, was the seven senses poem. And this was something my therapist helped cue up for me in my last session. Cause I said, a lot of these old memories that I thought I put to bed are coming up and I don't know why. And it bothers me. It makes me sad. I remember sad memories. Mm -hmm. like, so what if we reframe this and you put yourself back in those moments when you're having a hard time and you 
write a poem through it. And so it's called the seven senses poem. And I list all the questions she asked me. It's like seven different questions and you can write a poem as a part of kind of looking back at your past. And the purpose is to empower you to be like, wow, I don't feel that way anymore. I got past this moment. I've grown. I'm different. I can look back at it with empathy. I can like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way of getting it out of your mind and onto paper and sort of, you can appreciate it more, I think. Oh, I'm so happy that you did. I loved it. And I, and I feel like it's such a good way of you to take control of the narrative and the emotions. You're spinning Mm -hmm. it in a way that I'm, I'm going to say how I feel. So you're turning it into something beautiful. And I feel like what you also just said is it doesn't have to be great really connects back to what Kurt Vonnegut said in his letter. Yes. Right. Yes. It doesn't have to be great. In fact, write it down and then tear it up. Nobody don't show anybody. Yes. And then you got the satisfaction the satisfaction of creating. And I totally, right. And that's, I think the reminder of obviously we want to make a living. We Uh want to do more uh than a living. We want to do well and we want people to receive our art well, but we can't lose sight of why we do it. Yes. Agreed. Agreed with you. And that's, I, it all goes back to me from this, the stemming from wanting to be understood and wanting people to know my point of view. And I think a lot of what I, all the stories I write or the poems or the like songs, whatever it's, it stems from this sense of like, understand my feelings, see me. Yeah. Like that's just always been my thing growing up. I never felt fully seen by the people yeah. in my life. And, you know, a lot of people in my life are like, be more neutral, balance yourself out. Don't be so extreme. Don't have such extreme feelings and boxing me in. And I, now I'm sort of just like, understand, no, my, you know what I mean? <laughs> You were meant to spread your wings. Absolutely. And we were both kind of wallflowers growing Mm -hmm, up, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that that plays into it for sure, because you saw everybody else getting the attention or achieving and you almost just kept telling yourself, I will one day, I will one day, I will one day. But it takes a lot of courage to get to that one day. Yes. And put it out there. Well, I want it. So I wanted to share, this is another poem. It's short that I wrote and I, and it was, it all stems from this concept of needing to be understood or whatever, um, that I think goes along with what we're saying. So again, it's not supposed to be good or bad. Don't judge me, everyone. This is just, okay. I wish I had a TV that played above my head. I wish it showed clips of what happened and what was said that way. Everyone that passed by could see it as it was. They'd finally understand why some things matter to me more than most, more than they should. My voice is getting tired of saying that I'm sad. I want to break the pattern, but it's hard to not be mad. My body is getting sick of feeling down and out of it. I want to end the cycle, but I'm scared it might not stick. I think that was spectacular. Absolutely. And it was a way for you to be heard and seen in the in the way that you know how to express it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was amazing. Well, and just, thank you. You're welcome. And the courage to share that right now too. Like that takes a lot. It takes I a mean, lot to share anything. Yes, I agree. But I think that's what we're sort of saying is put yourself out there more. And when you have these deep, dark thoughts and you're thinking in your head, when, like when I reread that and it was in conversation with Luke where he's like, why do you get so intense about this scene in little women? I don't know. We were just talking about this one scene. I'm like, you don't get it. Because that's exactly like that embodies exactly how I felt. And da, 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 da. and it, I was like, I yes. wish you could see a TV above my head to show you the trauma that I went through to show you why 
this thing means so much to me. Mm-hmm. So it was, that's where the, that's where it came from this like really angry moment. And when you reread something that you wrote, that you wrote in that moment, sometimes it can sound silly. Cause you're like, why was I so up in arms and angry? You know, maybe so, but I, and, and I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with this, but I do feel like some of the best art comes from anger. Yes. Or sadness I, or hardship. You're like, get, yes, oh, get out yes. of my body and into. Yeah. Yes. And, and when you like, there are definitely moments where I, I just want to crawl out of my body. I want to crawl out of my skin. Like I do not feel comfortable here. Mm-hmm. Where, why am I here in this? I don't, I, I, I can't stand myself. So how do I crawl out? And I don't know like how you do that. And so sometimes it's just putting it out there and a song, a poem, uh, a painting. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever it freaking is. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, yeah. So I think that's, it's hard to do. And once you practice doing it, then you fear like, oh, what if it's bad? And I, I I don't know. I think it's this really odd cycle that a lot of people who think creatively run into. And then mm-hmm. certain creative, certain creative outputs are celebrated more like Taylor Swift songs. 70,000 people come three nights, you know, to go hear her listen to, to listen to her songs. And then some people will share songs and no one listens to them. Yeah. And it's still the same kind of importance to me to put out creative Absolutely. works, no matter what the response is or how much people love it. And that's a hard lesson, but it's an important one. I totally agree. And I mean, at the beginning of her career, nobody believed in her. She was 16 and people told her, what does a 16 year old have to say? And she can't sing, you know, but she just kept going and going. And I'm sorry, I'm not ignoring you. I am trying to find a poem too, that I want to share. Oh yes, That's somebody, one of my favorite songwriters, who's my friend shared it with me the other day. Um, and it is, it is just so fantastic. Take your time, take your time finding this because I'll share okay. one other tidbit for people listening. <laughs> the other thing please that do, I heard. Please do. So, so Ethan Hawke, as you look for this, I'll share. Ethan Hawke shared this amazing little interview clip that has always stuck with me. At some of our most pivotal moments in life, stories is what you go to and what you need most. And it's so interesting. You forget their significance when you're going through life and materials and money and all these other other things and relationships and breakups and this and that. It's like so wild. You kind of lose sight of the importance of stories until you really need them. And then you're like, oh, I need to find the words I'm lost or I'm sad or I'm heartbroken or I'm in love and I need to express it. Like those are the moments you find stories. And that's so beautiful to me, right? I think that's beyond beautiful. And it's so well said. And it's it's life in its simplest form, yet it's mm-hmm. very complicated because it takes yes. finding the right words. Even the simplest poem was probably the hardest to do because it comes off as simple, but that's not an easy thing to create. No. Okay. And then I want to hear your poem. But the one thing that this reminded me of is when Miley Cyrus went on a show, I forget which one, and she was saying, everyone always asks me, like, when you wrote this song does that speak to your breakup? And are you so angry with him? Like wrecking ball? Are you angry with Liam still? Whatever. And just, those are the constant questions. She's like, y'all have to understand that was written at a moment and point in time where I was so angry. And I thought that anger deserved to be expressed, but that doesn't mean that I live in that state of expression. That is just a point in time. And I still love singing it because I love remembering that anger and how I was able to kind of evoke it on a piece of paper and through a song, that does not mean I harbor it. 
And I think that was well said because sometimes they're very extreme emotions and you're like, don't worry. I don't live there. (laughs) Right. No, but it's okay to visit it. Yeah. It's great. We all do. We all do. Like, it's just like you can forgive, but not forget. Like you're always going to revisit those things for sure. And to then have a piece of art that you can revisit in, like, I mean, how cool is that? I I think it's beyond cool. Okay. So I found the poem. It's, it is long. So bear with me. Love. But it is by Charles Bukowski and it's called Don't Do It. If it doesn't come bursting out of you in spite of everything, don't do it. Unless it comes unasked out of your heart and your mind and your mouth and your gut, don't do it. If you have to sit for hours staring at your computer screen or hunched over your typewriter searching for words, don't do it. If you're doing it for money or fame, don't do it. If you're doing it because you want women in your bed, don't do it. If you have to sit there and rewrite it again and again, don't do it. If it's hard work just thinking about doing it, don't do it. If you're trying to write like somebody else, forget about it. If you have to wait for it to roar out of you, then wait patiently. If it never does roar out of you, do something else. If you first have to read it to your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your parents or to anybody at all, you're not ready. Don't be like so many writers Don't be like so many thousands of people who call themselves writers. Don't be dull and boring and pretentious. Don't be consumed with self-love. The libraries of the world have yawned themselves to sleep. Over your kind, don't add to that. Don't do it. Unless it comes out of your soul like a rocket. Unless being still would drive you to madness or suicide or murder. Don't do it. Unless the sun inside you is burning your gut. Don't do it. When it is truly time, and if you have been chosen, it will do it by itself, and it will keep doing it until you die or it dies in you. There is no other way, and there never was. That's powerful. Right? I mean, it's it's an extreme poem, for sure, but he was an extreme guy. And I think the message of it, I love. Yes, yes. And it's such a good reminder to not question yourself when it comes through you and it's so loud that you can't shut it up in your own head. You don't need to read it to anyone else. It just will just let it pour out. And that's, that is hard because I think everyone has that capability in them. But I think because of the life we live and because of the world we live in, there's all these boundaries and checkpoints we put on ourselves. Do you know what I mean? To not just, Oh my gosh. Yes. And and once again, (laughs) That was his art that he yes. just wrote down that we're reading. So it's it it was in, his experience was interpreted through him, yes. and we're now reading through his interpretation. And we can take that however we want and place it onto our lives. But I think the nuggets in there about unless it is just this burning desire that you can't get rid of, and it helps yes. fuel you or makes you mad or sad, like both drastic emotions, then probably don't do it because you don't have you don't have that whatever to make it work. Yes. And I was talking to Andy Fickman, who's an amazing producer and writer and amazing man. And he shared that power for me where he was like, listen up. Not everyone has a calling, right? Or not, not everyone answers their calling. When you have a calling and it hits you in the head and you see signs of it everywhere you walk and you go to sleep thinking about it and you wake up wanting to do better at it and you talk about it to no end and it it fuels your energy. Guess what? Answer that fucking call. Answer, Answer. the call. They're call- like 
whatever you believe in, whatever. It's like something is hitting you on the side of the head saying, go do this, go do it. And like, don't worry what it looks like or how you're going to get there or and so what somebody might think or what anyone thinks or what anyone says, because it's like you have a calling and wow, how special is that? But you have to do the action of answering. Yes. Yes. And I think everyone goes, a lot of people go through their lives never having a calling because they're not able to sit with themselves and actually listen to their themselves or know themselves well enough to even know what their calling is. So when you fucking do that and then you hear it, answer. (laughs) That just like fired me up. I know. It's it's an old fashioned landline, which is even better. (laughs) Yes. And then I know we're probably coming to the end of this, but I wanted to also ask you this because my little sister Reagan came over the other day and was saying like, I don't know if I have as intense emotions as you. And that kind of scares me because I don't feel as deeply and I'm worried not worried, but she was just like, I want to feel and I want to find that passion. And I feel like that's something we touch on a lot. But what do you think? Because I do think a lot of people are like, I don't have that intensity. So how am I supposed to create art, even if I want to create art, but I don't have that fire in me? What yeah. do you recommend? Or have you been there? I would, I've definitely had seasons of that, but I would just encourage to try any and all things. You know, and if you don't want to in the moment, allow yourself not to like try not to think about it. And if you find yourself having a really hard time not thinking about creating, then maybe, you know, okay, this is my path, but what is it that I'm supposed to create? And I've had people say that all the time, like sing a song, go to a pottery class, you know, do a workout class, plant flowers, work on your landscaping, paint a wall. I mean, Anything that you can think of, try it all. Try it all because you never know which one will just spark something in you. And it probably and it it might be the last one you try. But if you didn't try, you would never find that joy. I love that advice. And to add on to that, I think also we're in an age of gratification and immediate yes. gratification. And so I think what you're just saying, you have to have patience with yourself because we forget these simple tasks of trying new activities takes time, takes effort, takes you shutting off your phone and tuning in. It takes reminding yourself about these everyday moments. So I think that's another advice I give to young people growing up in this digital age is like, it's hard because we're attached to our phones and the instant we see Charlie D'Amelio blowing up in a year and having a hundred million followers on a new app. And that's not everyone's story. And you know, maybe she was overwhelmed by the speed at which that all came to her. So it's like, enjoy the process, which we preach all the time. But I think that is maybe a good reminder for young people who are like, I don't have the thing yet. It's like, well, try different things. (laughs) Like, wait. Yes. And I think that's a good reminder for us as well. Like patience is a really hard thing for me. And so it's good to be reminded. Yes. Well, this was amazing. Good episode. <laughs> Good episode. <laughs> if I don't say so myself. <laughs> I just think we, we just talk, we talk, we sometimes talk in cliches and, but I, that's my favorite way to theorize see, about these things. You know, I love cheesiness. I mean, we started with the weather and files and we ended up in the, in the clouds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this well, is amazing. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everybody. And you can follow us on all socials at PS. We have no plan. We'll see you next week. Right. Bye. Bye.
up in the morning and the sun broke through the open curtains. The birds sang too, and they said, This is a day to celebrate.